come. Walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan while we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Welcome back to the caravan. Thank you. (laughs) It has been such a long time that, uh, you know, wow, I, I need to shower and get all the dust and dirt off me from being away for so long and I, exactly. I miss being in the caravan it's so warm and cozy in here and I thank you <laughs> yes of course well we miss you over here too tell everybody where where have you been what adventures have you been going on what adventures I have been on well I've been <laughs> dinosaur hunting no I have not oh. um I oh, have been uh, disappointing <laughs> <laughs> I have been solicited to do the news, or a news segment rather, at the existence of strange things on Radio Memphis, mm-hmm. which is a radio station out of Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I have to thank the executive producers over there for thinking that I had talent enough to do the news. And, of course, I'm supported by good friends like uh, Sean the Forkchop Forker, Lon Strickler, and Butch Witowski. They are the co-hosts of the existence of Strange Things. And, you know, it's it actually has been a lot of fun and probably a benefit or a side effect to the whole thing is that when you do the news, you're always searching for interesting news bits. And I'm learning so much more that I'm like, wow, this would be fantastic to bring to the caravan. So, <laughs> you know, since 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 I've done the test news, and of course test for none of you that may know yet is actually the acronym for the existence of strange things, just makes it a little bit faster for us to say test. Um, since I've been doing this, I've been like, I, I want to do the caravan again, too, because the chemistry between the two of us is a lot of fun, too. And some of the stories that we share when we're not doing this podcast is uh, it's pretty phenomenal. We've had some interesting experiences and, you know, we do share them. And so now it's our opportunity to put it to the podcast and share along with you guys, the audience. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, since you're the news guy, what kind of uh, interesting news was there this last week? Anything good? Yeah, actually, there was one interesting article that I think will probably fit really good into current mind control as to what's going on right now. Oh. And and I will give a little bit of a tease, however. There is, and I won't give the names away until we actually do the show on the mind control, but there is a new patent by this individual that has manipulated computer screens and TV screens to send electromagnetic pulses out without you knowing it that actually affects the human nervous system. And 
I'm done for then. And it exactly, I'm like, whose hands is this patent going to fall into in the incorrect oh. way? Because now you're right. going to be able to manipulate people's emotions by sending different magnetic hertz. It's actually in hertz, and it goes anywhere between a half a hertz and 2.4 hertz. And it is in a pulse, so it can be embedded into um, a computer program that you might be using. Mm -hmm. It can be embedded into anything, even a television show that might be on. And if it is embedded wow. in there, it does affect the nervous system. And it, uh, So like so, on Facebook? Well, if you're doing Facebook on a computer screen, yeah, it's cool. anything that's subject to... Um, any type of, you know, and you don't even have to look at the screen. You just have to be in the room and it can affect you. So that's kind of the scary part of the whole thing. So wow. either we turn everything off and we live in a bunker or, as I said, <laughs> on the existence of strange things news, um, I'm selling tinfoil. So if anybody is interested, <laughs> you can buy tinfoil from me to make a tinfoil hat. So you can visit okay. me at Dance Facebook. You could, and you can spray paint them too, yeah. so they don't look so weird. But you know, yes, <laughs> I know it, it. It's we can make light of it, um, but you know that technology. Right. And you know, leave it to an individual to come up with this. Um, hopefully, it doesn't fall in the wrong hands. So yeah, that's one um, interesting news bit that I came across. That, and sometimes you know, ignorance is bliss. But I like to be informed. My whole thing about knowing or being ignorant is the fact that if you can't get away from it, if there's nothing that you can do, if it's in the air you breathe and there's just nothing you can do to get away from the air you breathe, mm -hmm. I'd rather almost not know. Yeah, I I can agree with you. And that, again, is part of that statement of ignorance is bliss um, because right. I think the mind the mind will probably do more damage to your physical body if you knew what you were ingesting all the time and you're aware of it as to the adverse effect of, well, I have no clue, and therefore the mind just keeps plugging along like it's a bright, sunshiny day and now things are good and butterflies are free. No, I, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I do get what you're saying. You know, I posed a question on the existers Facebook group page, name one thing that the federal government and state and local government mandate that you must consume every day. And I was quite surprised that, you know, the feedback, most people were absolutely correct that, you know, there are things and a few people named a couple other things that I didn't intend, but, you know, what I was looking for was fluoride. You know, we cannot seem to get away oh, yeah. from fluoride, and there is such an argument on both sides of the aisles about fluoride. Why is the government forcing something upon us to say, well, it's for good health of your teeth? Okay, right. it's your teeth. People still get cavities. Dentists would be out of business if fluoride I did know. what it was supposed to do. And yet, I every corner I turn, there's a dentist's office. So clearly... There are two sides to that argument, but yet the government, at least in the United States, mandates. 
that every bit of drinking water that you consume, whether it comes out of your tap water or bottled water, unless you have a reverse osmosis system in your home, and that's not even guaranteed to get rid of all the fluoride, but it will reduce it. But unless you have a system like that, we can't survive without the water, and we're ingesting something that the government's mandating that they put in the water. Now, I'm not a conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist to say, you know, it's going to be dangerous and it will kill you. I'm, but yeah, what is the purpose behind that other than dental health? Because clearly we still have, you know, tooth decay problems throughout this country, whether you're drinking the water or not. So, I don't know. I find that really interesting. So, yeah, it does go back to ignorance is bliss. So what about you? Have you come across any uh, interesting news stories or any Mm -hmm. interesting adventures that you have been on lately? So, no news stories. But... I did finally take my adventure to that haunted uh, hotel that I've been talking about for several years with you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm excited Um, to hear about it. Right? I mean, so when I was a kid, and I'll have to go through, I have a, um, there's a pamphlet. It's like an events packet that they hand out, and there's this introduction in history of the location within it. Um, Actually, I can just look right now. Um, Because the motel or hotel started out as a Masonic home. And Okay, here we go. So 1999, the Masons build new facilities on the north half of the property and sell the old home to McMinimins. And then in March of 2000, McMinniman's Grand Lodge opened. And I remember being a kid driving past it, and the grounds were always beautiful. There's this big pond out front and these willow trees and, the, you know, the green grass and all these bushes. And there's no other buildings in town that look like it and it was really big and it has these beautiful white pillars on the front stairs and i always Mm -hmm. wanted to go in it and i never knew well what is that what is that you know and i found out that it was a a home for like elderly masons but then after a while um there were problems with the local kids because there was beautiful big koi in that pond And it was kind of close to the walkway on the road, and so people vandalized it and constantly killed the fish or got into the water, Um, Mm -hmm. and so they drained it. And it's still, it's actually, I don't think that they ever refilled it. Um, Hmm. But anyways, so they sold the property, and um, it is now part of the McMinimins franchise, and it has several bars, rooms that you can stay in. And I was amazed because, so I went there when I was, um, what was I, 17? It was for prom. And I stayed the night there. But I knew the history of it. And I basically stayed up all night by myself talking to the staff and 
walking around and <laughs> taking pictures wow. and doing right. that. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, my gosh. I got to stay two nights there in two different rooms. And um, so that was a lot of fun. And I hadn't actually been back there in two years. And little did I know, because I haven't been paying attention, they completely remodeled the attic. And added like 20 rooms up there. And I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea that there was that much space. The attic is completely different from the rest of the motel. And the funny thing is, so, and I'll have to include pictures so that you can actually like see what I mean. Mm -hmm. So you walk in on what used to be the main floor and you've got the main restaurant and right before the restaurant is like this little bar and there's the check-in and then you can go downstairs to um there's more rooms that you can stay in there's a place for a band to play and then there's this little bar and it's crazy because the doors are skinny and you walk down there, and it looks like it's just this Plano basement with some, you know, rooms to sleep in. Mm-hmm. And you open one of these small, skinny doors, and it opens up to this big bar. And it's actually called the doctor's office. And, it's, no. and they've got pool tables in there and, you know, everything. And, oh, well, and now they have... um they have, uh, they call it Ruby Spa. So there's a whole spa down there now, too. And then that's the access to, like, the soaking pool. I think I, mm-hmm. didn't I show you pictures of those? Amazing. I did. Um, yes, I did. And some of the artwork there is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. No, I love it. And so, and all the pipes, all the pipes have, like, their right. hands or their faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, what I meant by the is that, you know, the, right. the construction <laughs> and the infrastructure of the entire building is actually, after the fact, it, it was created mm-hmm. into a piece of art. And that in itself is just, I've never seen anything like that before. So I was kind of taken back by that. It just, it's really very cool to look at. You walk up this really big, gorgeous ramp. And it takes you right to where the theater is. And I I have had the chance to go see a movie there. And it's cool because you can do, like, dinner and a movie. So Mm -hmm. order a burger. I'm looking (laughs) at it, and I see there there's beautiful wood tables in front of the the seating where you can eat your meal. Uh And it's such a cool, ambient-looking theater. It's it's old and vintage, but yes, it's it's awesome. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And so when you're on that floor, if you go all the way to the end, there's two doors, and the door is closed. And for the longest time, like, you don't just go opening up random doors. And Mm -hmm. so it was always like this was like a storage closet. Like, it really comes off like it's a storage closet and nothing more. Well, now... You open this door up, and there's two sets of stairs, one that goes up that leads to a landing, and then a second staircase that goes up. 
to a whole nother floor with like 20 rooms. And the way that they painted it is like, you know, universe stellar, just the otherworldly. Like the rest of the hotel's got that, you know, vintage feeling. Right. But right. then upstairs, the attic is just this totally other world. And all of the, remember I showed that picture that has like tons of different lanterns? Mm-hmm. Actually, as soon as I walked in there, I was taking pictures and I was like sending it to you like that second because mm-hmm. it was just, I, I just couldn't believe it. this place that I love so much. I love their food. I love the atmosphere, everything. And I didn't know I could love it even more than I already do. <laughs> but so I wanted to read what they have as their Okay, but I got a of, question real fast. Yeah. I'm sorry to mean to interrupt, but I, I'm, okay, so <laughs> these two stairways, is that yes. for public use? Or or do yes, they keep the doors is. closed and it's it's off? Okay, so it is for public use. Okay, it's like, yeah. you know, I'm immediately thinking of the Matrix scenario of, do you take <laughs> the left stairs or the right stairs? <laughs> you know, and, and what world will you it go to feels, if you choose which oh one? Oh, man. It feels like the secret entrance and uh-huh. like you're hidden away up there. And one thing that I like so much is the fact that up there in the attic, it was so silent, so silent. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this would be where I'd want to stay. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so when we when we were staying there, it was so funny because there was a group of gentlemen that went into one of the rounder rooms. And the rounder rooms, and they're basically just these big sitting areas that has a fireplace and a little bar and kind of like a mini cafe or restaurant, I guess it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I would always go in there to like read books. And in fact, that's actually where I went to go uh, check out the ghost log when I was there. And anyways, <laughs> these gentlemen who obviously had some drinks, um, they went to try to light a fire in the fireplace and <laughs> they didn't do uh-huh. it right. So Uh-oh. they set off the fire alarm. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was very eventful. Um, the second time, which was um, my favorite time staying there, was actually this big, it was like a jazz type of a outdoor um, concert where they had multiple different bands come. And it was like mm-hmm. a two or three day event. And we could actually, you got to camp on the lawn. One of the things that I love so much about that place is, so when you get there on your bed, you have like, they lay out these, just these plush white um, house coats or bath robes, you know? Right, right. And and so you get those. And then they, you get, you actually get the newspaper delivered to your hotel room door. Mm-hmm. They open up your door and there's the there's the morning paper, which I How thought cool was cool. Right? Oh yeah, and then like in the morning, everybody's just walking around in their robes, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and the and their shared bathrooms. The the rooms actually 
I don't think any of the rooms have a private bathroom. Wow. That I remember. It's, it's, it's communal amongst a couple of rooms? Interesting. Um, well, they have, like, yeah, there's a, um, like, down in the basement, there's a uh, women's and men's restrooms, but there's, you know, several showers and different stalls and stuff. And that actually is where a lot of activity takes place wow. in the bathroom. And even when I went there, I asked the lady, I was like, well, um, you know, I'm here and doing kind of like a podcast thing. And I, and I was wanting to, you know, maybe peek in some rooms or see what your highest activity area or room might be. And she's like, we don't actually have any rooms that have the most activity. It's just kind of here and there, but the most concentrated is in uh, the bathrooms, mostly the women's bathroom as well. And she had even hmm. had experiences with, like, water will turn on by itself or the stall doors will move. Um, I could have sworn I heard footsteps when I had used, when I was in the shower. Um, uh-huh. Nobody came in. Nobody was there. I looked. I checked. Um, it could have just been me, you know, but I, I did think that I heard footsteps at one time. One wow. Aside from that, I wanted to read kind of the introduction and history of the place just so there's kind of more understanding of why is it haunted and how old is it right. and all that. And what were the Freemasons up to that whole time? Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so this is their introduction and history out of their events packet. Um, it says, McMiniman's Grand Lodge is set in Forest Grove on 13 acres of beautiful gardens and sweeping lawns that surround this majestic architecture, originally built as a Masonic Lodge. The grandeur that you see today was founded in 1922 as one of the Masonic Lodges of Oregon. It is an impressive structure with iconic columns, marble accents, and French doors opening into gathering spaces filled with natural light along with hardwood floors and cozy fireplaces. A variety of interesting characters once called the place home. Alice Meek Inkley, granddaughter of some of the first Oregon pioneers, World War II photographer Paul Schrock, and jeweler wind chime craftsman Edwin Fish, just to name a few. When the Masonic and Eastern Star Home relocated to a new facility in 1999, McMinimans leapt at the opportunity to infuse its lyrical sense into the Masons' historic tradition. The buildings were given creative and respectful renovation that enhanced their classic original features and added some new twists. Okay, so in 1897, the Masonic Grand Chapter of Oregon adopts a recommendation that steps be taken to establish a home for widows and orphans of Mason. In 1917, after 20 years of planning and fundraising, the Grand Lodge and Grand Chapter adopts resolutions declaring for the establishment of a Masonic and Eastern Star home in the state of Oregon for the aged and infirm and the poor and distressed, worthy master masons, their widows and orphans. At the time, there were approximately 30 such Masonic homes operating in 29 states. 
a 30-acre site east of Forest Grove is acquired for Oregon's Masonic home. In 1922, the main lodge's central and eastern wings were completed. In 1926, an orphanage called the Children's Cottage is completed on site with the capacity to hold 32 children. In 1927, though, so only a year later, it is decided that the orphanage be closed due to strained relations between the elderly and the children. Over the subsequent few years, the children were relocated to outside families. In 1934, the focus of the home shifts to caring for the sick and infirm. The average attendance over the past year is 92 residents, the largest number to date. The mid-1980s, Alice Meek Inkley, granddaughter of local pioneer Joe Meek, comes to live in the Masonic home. And then by 1999, they um, had built a new area. And then in 2000, they opened the Grand Lodge. But So it's so relatively of, new that this whole venture has taken place to what it is today then as the Grand Lodge Hotel type of thing. Oh, I thought this had mm-hmm. been in the works for a long time, but it's relatively in recent history, huh? Yeah, what wow. was that, like 17 years then? Yeah. And not, not well, even that long because of the time it took to, you know, right. remake it. So, you know, yeah, no. Looking, looking at the, the pictures of McMenamins, and I see where the detached orphanage for 30 children i mean wow but yeah it's detached it's not part of the main building correct that's right yeah it's it's on Mm. the same driveway but it's separate from the main building and the interesting thing is at least from you know mouth to ear nothing that's written down um Mm -hmm. it seems as if the children's cottage actually has the highest amount of activity paranormal speaking Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't, I need to do more research on that because I don't remember, I mean, I don't, I don't have, you know, the history of, you know, Right, but as I'm or, looking at the old vintage photographs of it, that's kind of right. the sense that I got from it immediately is if there was a place to have the most activity, yeah, I would have, and we call it a cottage, but it's really not. It looks mm-hmm. like a two-story brownstone it's it's big you know and for 30 Mm -hmm. kids to be housed there but yeah how strange is it though that you know that only lasted a year with the children being there and then to say well it was because of a conflict between the elderly and the children and i suppose that could very well be uh, but Mm -hmm. really only a year of giving a trial and immediately they displace the children I wonder if there was anything more behind it after the children were moved and maybe why. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to take a look into that. You know, for the listeners, when I I look at the pictures, and of course, when you guys look at the pictures too, but I get the sense and the feeling and the emotion from the Grand Lodge of McMinimins the same way I did with the hotel, the Overlook Hotel in the movie The Shining, mm. you know, the the Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick's version of The Shining yeah. with Jack Nicholson, and you get mm-hmm. that that same type of architecture and that same type mm-hmm. of feeling with the narrow hallways and the lighting and 
it's just such a cool place to even tour through just in pictures. I would love to go to a place like that on my own because, oh, yeah. yeah, just for the haunt fact alone would be within itself mystique. But, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of the feeling that I get. So for the listeners that haven't been able to look at the pictures yet, if you've ever seen the movie, the original, The Shining, um, yeah, that's kind of the tone that that whole lodge is actually kind of presented with. And I would imagine probably the Overlook Hotel, the real one, and the Grand Lodge were probably constructed in the same era, don't you think? I'm, um, I'm pretty sure so that the architecture was kind of similar. The The yeah. Overlook Hotel, which I don't know that it's actually called the Overlook Hotel. I know it was in the movie. But that actual mm-hmm. building, I think, is it's probably twice as big as McMiniman's, but still has that same kind of uh, atmosphere about it when you approach it. Yeah. So it's called the Stanley Hotel, and it actually the, opened July 4th, 1909. Mm, okay. Well, so still kind of within that yeah. same ballpark, right, for the architecture. Yeah, I and, think so. And the way the plumbing is laid out and the way the hallways are narrow and the way the lighting is done. Yeah. Well, how about that? <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. Um, I'll have to look through here uh, at some of these pictures. I I wanted to read a couple of the ghost log um, entries. And mm-hmm. as we're talking about the feel of the hotel, you know, from when it was built, from how they did the artwork, you know, and it's so interesting to me because the Masons, you know, like we've talked so many times about secret societies, Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a lot of people that'll say, oh, they're just Masons and, you know, whatever. But there's such a secrecy behind them. There's such this mysterious... I, I'll always think there's something way deeper to it. And, you know, so then you have this hotel that they took... It was like they took that mm-hmm. and they really made it shine. Because if you look at some of the pictures, and I'll make sure to upload them, you know, like there's witches. I know that there's mm-hmm. several... Uh, photos of witches and there's just all these you know weird mysterious stuff well even the people that that place draws in so i'll read Mm -hmm. this one entry this was from may 1st 2015 in room 115 late friday night i woke up from the feeling of someone trying to roll me out of bed I sleep on my side and was facing the floor, so I put both hands and feet out to the side so I wouldn't fall. Very scary. Somehow, I fell back to sleep. Love, the Sisters of the White Robes. <laughs> wow. Right. What is... Ooh, who are the Sisters of the White Robes? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and there was there was another one here um, that had a signature similar to that where it was just spooky, you know. Um, there is one here before I find that one because I'm, I'm kind of looking through them. Um, Romler Acres Paranormal Society went there and added their investigation to the ghost log. And it says here, this was done October 4th, 2008, caught one EVP in the compass room saying, book, book. 
caught one more EVP in the rounder room saying my name is. And then December 1st, 2008, they caught four new EVPs in the rounder room. The first one saying breathe. Hi. Second one, it says, do you want to pass a message? The answer, sorry. The third one, who is the president? Carter was the answer. What? Wow. Mm-hmm. Fourth, we can't see you. And the answer was, I can see you. I can feel you too. Oh, there's chilling. <laughs> right? Exactly. Wow. Um, hmm. And you want to go back there and stay, huh? Okay. <laughs> you, you do that. Well, wow. for me, I just never had an experience that really, like, I could feel stuff. And and in one of those, it was the Billy Scott room is where I always felt stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it was more like a presence, more like I didn't feel threatened. I did feel kind of scared, though. It's just scary to think that you're in a room alone, but you don't feel alone. Right. Uh, here's one from the children's cottage. This was in 2010, November. It was the day before Thanksgiving. We decided to go look for any ghost activity. We ventured over to the children's cottage. We looked around for a while and noticed movement in the window. We walked around the back side and didn't find anything. We walked around to the side where we saw the movement. I noticed that the blinds were down, but they weren't down before. Then we also noticed that the curtains opened up, but they weren't open before either. Hmm. Hmm. So who knows? I mean, somebody could have been in there, not not discounting or anything like that, but there could have been a right. worker getting it ready for something. But hey, you know. Um, here's another one from 2015, room 11. I woke up at 1 a.m. and saw a little girl standing at the foot of the bed. She had long, blondish-brown hair and was wearing a blue and white dress. She was very bright, as though she was emanating light and appeared to be solid. I really Mm. thought she was a real person standing there looking at me. She had a smile on her face, and as I started to say something to her, she moved towards the nightstand and became more transparent, disappearing entirely. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So where is this ghost log located? Is it right in the front foyer as you enter the, through the, you know, the white pillars up through the front main entrance or is it somewhere else? Yes. So when you go in and you check in, you just ask them, hey, you know, for the ghost log. And it's interesting because when I first went there, gosh, what year was that? It was 2000. Three, I think, 2003 or 2004 when I stayed there. And the mm-hmm. ghost log was just like a journal. And they, it's gotten so big now that they've had to, uh, they, they've photocopied uh, all, the, all the pages and they put it into a three-ring binder and they have it listed by year now. Wow. It's pretty a lot cool. of activity. I'll have to, I have a, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got um, a photo of the ghost log, too, that I'll put on there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this one, here, I found the other one that was signed in a way that I thought was um, fun. This was from September 2016, so not too long ago. It says here, elevator was used to go to the basement. Down arrow was pushed. Elevator went upstairs into attic. It stayed on the attic floor for several minutes before closing and then going to the basement. The creepy part is you need a key to turn the elevator capability to go to the attic. I told management as soon as we could, first McMiniman's ghost experience, signed McMiniman's trickster. <laughs> really? The tricksters? <laughs> trickster. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard yeah, of elevators like that you have to have a key in order to gain access to certain floors. I have heard of that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, if it's taking you to a place that you didn't ask it to go, why? Why did you right? do that to me? <laughs> so exactly. With, that would be a trip. With what was the children's orphanage or cottage, as they call it, what is that now? Mm-hmm. Are those rooms also for renting no. capabilities, or have they done something else with well, them? Those are, I believe it's more so meeting rooms um, and, like, weddings. Oh, okay. That I mean, I had a friend, she got married there. It seems like a popular place for that, um, for wedding ceremonies, huh? Yes. And, oh, my gosh, during Halloween, this is the coolest part. So during Halloween, you can trick-or-treat the whole place. So you go into the actual lodge. And mm-hmm. in all of the rounder rooms, down in the spa, and in the theater, they have them set up to be different themes. Like one was this Alice in Wonderland theme, and you know, so each each thing that you walk into, it's kind of like this one room haunted house looking thing. And right. you can trick or treat, you know. And it's so cool because it's there's several rooms. They do hand out a lot of candy, and you know, over here we have a lot of rain during that time. Then mm-hmm. you can walk down the driveway over to the children's cottage, and it's set up like a haunted house. But it's age-appropriate. So you can oh. do everything right there and have a great night. Right. What mm-hmm. a great idea that is for for Halloween. I mean, really? Yeah. That is... Mm-hmm. Thank you, management, for coming up with that idea. Right? Yeah, that, oh my that, would be, that would be a lot of fun. I think that would probably be a lot of fun to have a Halloween experience there and, mm-hmm. you know, see the little ghouls and goblins trick-or-treating and then <laughs> to actually be able to spend the night there then afterwards. I bet that would probably be an adventure and a lot of fun. That would be yeah, that's actually a really good idea because I hadn't thought about staying the night afterwards. But that would mm-hmm. be that'd be fantastic. And if you can, I'm trying to find one of the pictures online, but it's so funny because there is the old shoot, like the metal slides that go out the side where you'd throw like trash or laundry or whatever. Right. Right. Which. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just makes it seem so much more, you know, old 
and right. creepy. <laughs> I am so. currently looking at the aerial view. It's a black and white photo, so I'm assuming it looks, mm-hmm. according to a couple of the cars that are in the in that circle driveway, looks mm-hmm. like the photograph may have been taken in the 1950s. Okay. And and you can see on the side, like of the children's cottage, you can see a chute looking on the yeah. side of the building there as to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I unless <laughs> unless you know back when it was built, that was the coal chutes to get coal up to or oh. out of. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. I'm not sure. That's where yeah, you throw the dead bodies when you're done with them. You let them go down the slide. Oh, man. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, oh, no. that's cool, too. Like, we had a, just really quick, there's, um, they featured their new rooms on the news. There was a piece done by our local news station. And mm-hmm. it's funny because um, the headline here says, New Rooms and Secret Passage at Grand Lodge. Ooh, what's the secret passage? The Would that be the passage, stairs you were talking about? Well, it's it's kind of just a hallway. Like it's it's I don't know. You just kind of you go up the stairs, and then there's a bunch of rooms, and then there's like this little hallway that takes you to other rooms, and then it takes you down to the other set of stairs. It, I'm just really interested though. Like, what was up there before? it was ever turned into rooms because there's pictures right. here on Google that show that it's completely bare and the elevator went all the way up there. Hmm. So I wonder, you know, what did they good keep up question. there? Yeah. Good question. <laughs> Boy, if those walls could talk, huh? Oh, right. Oh man. The stories they could tell. Yeah. I would imagine mm-hmm. I, again, you know, there's such a history with the Masons and of course, the existence mm-hmm. of strange things, you know, did an episode regarding the Masons, and and it really seems like it changes all of U.S. history as we've been taught in schools, and that they had a big yeah. hand in how history actually evolved in this country, more so than mm-hmm. because he brought up a very good point that the Vikings came here. And then for 500 years, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, Chris Columbus shows up and, oh, now all things starting. No, it wasn't that way. Because there's been so much artifacts that have been found that the Masons were here. And and it was very secretive, but yet so much of it was done on astrological aspects of belief. And in that belief system Mm -hmm. of you know, the female gender of the God, and, and you, you'd have to listen to the whole episode to understand right. everything that goes into the Masonic design of their lodges and their belief system is so intricate right. and secretive and hidden, and yet it's in plain sight. You may see something mm-hmm. right in front of your face, but yet it has such a significant and profound symbology to it that you don't even realize you're looking at it, but yet here they're telling you the secret right up front. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. It, well, exactly. Uh, one thing too, as you're as you're saying that, um, it makes me like I'm curious about McMiniman itself, like the people who own all of them. I just sent you several pictures, and I can I don't know I mm-hmm. might be able to upload some of them or. 
one of them to the website. I'm not sure because they're right. copyrighted. But right. Um, well, real quick, all I was going to say is I'm really interested in McMinimins themselves just because, as you can see with the pictures, all of them have this just spook to them, every location. Mm-hmm. And not only, I mean, and they have a history, too, of purchasing haunted properties. Oh, really? Like that's part of this. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's part of it. Hmm. You know, okay, so, so let me, just, well, as long as we're on that same vein. The main sign that says McMinimins Grand Lodge Hotel and Dining has mm-hmm. a really interesting symbol between the word hotel and dining. Now, that may be a Masonic symbol, but I've never seen it before regarding the Masons or the Freemasons. Oh. It's a it's a very interesting looking symbol. And then below that, it says Ruby Spa and then Doctor's Office Bar. That in itself (laughs) sounds a little intimidating to go to the doctor's office. Boy, how many people up there that say, yeah, I I got a doctor's appointment? Uh Uh-huh, sure you do. You're going (laughs) to the doctor's office, aren't you? Well, there have been reports of um, when people are in the doctor's office, Mm -hmm. uh, chairs will move, glasses will move by themselves. Um, I believe there was even somebody who said that one of the pool balls on the table would move on its own without anybody being over there. Wow. Um, That's also a high-activity location. Right. Right. Yeah, no, like I said, the that symbol in the middle of the Grand Lodge sign is very interesting. And along with the artwork of how they incorporated, mm-hmm. like we were talking earlier, how they incorporated that artwork um, in amongst all the structure of the building itself and the plumbing and, and the walls and so on, all has that very... 1920s sinister cartoony type of <laughs> of architecture and design. You you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to put my yeah. finger on it. It's not Art Nouveau and it's not Art Deco, but it's right. it's that cartoon style of artwork mm-hmm. that was done, and it even appears on that entrance sign. There's two spheres on that entrance sign, yeah. at least at the picture that I'm looking at. With the same yeah, globe the with the big gold stars and, and really mm-hmm. kind of interesting looking as to the type of style that that is. So just that in itself is what I kind of meant mm-hmm. earlier that, you know, the symbol can be right there in front of your face, but yet you don't know what you're looking at. There's a really mm-hmm. good example of, okay, so what are those four points on that symbol? Is that north, south, east, west? Is that, mm-hmm. you know, e- each each quadrant is representing a different aspect of the Masons or who knows. Well, and here's the question too. Mm -hmm. Is McMinimins, are they Masons? Uh, Good question. Really good question. Now, I don't know if the Masons would still have control enough in, you know, within these past few years enough to have a yay or nay say in, property purchasing and real estate, but no, that's a good question. And that name itself, McMinimins, that's just a fun name to say. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good right? thing that McMinimins did not get into the cinnamon business because that would have been really <laughs> tongue twist. Oh, McMinimins, cinnamon. 
Yeah, right. Right? Oh man. Um let's see here. It it looks like when you when you you like there's actually a Wikipedia on him. It says let's see, he's a native to the state. He and his older brother founded the McMinniman's restaurant and brew pub chain in nineteen eighty three. He serves as general mm. manager and vice president of the company which operates more than 50 locations that include music venues such as the Crystal Ballroom, the Baghdad Theater, whoa, history buildings converted to brew pubs like the Roadhouse. That's the pictures that I sent you in several hotels. Mm-hmm. I didn't right. know that the Baghdad Theater was part of it. Um, it looks like he studied law. His father's an attorney. Um, but there's nothing that says that any of the family was part of the... Mason, the Freemasons. Well, here's your assignment, Jennifer. <laughs> uh-huh. Go interview. Go interview because they're clearly they're still around, right? Right. Yeah. Get your interview. Like Get your interview. Yeah. Call them up. Say, hey, we've got a podcast. We want to do an interview with you about your Grand Lodge Hotel and dining, and what associations right. or do you have with the Freemasons? It might be interesting because he may share stories about the purchasing of that property and the haunts that may have happened in that process of converting it into what it is today. Mm, right. No, and you know, and I'm sure he's got history on it too that we mm-hmm. that oh, I'm sure. doesn't know. Right. Um, you know, because it would be really interesting to find out, well, why does the children's cottage, why does that have a rep for having such activity? Was there, like, mm-hmm. what, what tragedies? But then again, I don't know if he'd actually be willing to share those types of stories. I know that personally, in our circle of people, when you know that kind of stuff, it makes it even more fascinating. And people mm-hmm. tend to flock towards those things more. But I do know that for business, you can worry like, well, if a murder happened or, you know, some bad tragedy, maybe, you know, could that bring less right. customers? Right. No, yeah, it would be kind of a negative publicity thing. But, um, yeah, I get that. I do get that aspect. And, you know, it's all up to speculation, but things that you right. may not think about in speculation that if it's an orphanage, you're talking about tormented children emotionally to begin with. Yeah. And then those, you know, children grow up and get elderly, pass away, and, you know, maybe they have a lot of harbored, you know, uh, well, whatever the word is that I'm looking for against what transpired there. Who knows what the staff was like. Was it a loving staff or was it, you know, brutal and mind your manners and slap you with a ruler across your knuckles to keep all the kids in line, you know? So that may have a lot to do with... Right. And obviously it was so bad that the children were only able to be there for one year. Right. Like they couldn't get along with the elderly people's, like, you know, so Mm -hmm. it, it does sound like it was really tough. Um. And you know the other interesting thing too that I that I would like to find out is um when I was coming back from the motel there was this little road that I hadn't noticed before and I've gone to and from town that way and it was this it was just this beautiful green hill with a hardly noticeable drive or like a gravel or no it was dirt it was just like this little dirt 
um, road that led mm-hmm. up to this big gate that said Hills Cemetery. Ooh. And it was open dusk till dawn, and this little road goes all the way up to the top of this hill, and it just disappears into this little bit of forest. Well, I thought to myself, oh, man, I need to go back. I need to go back there and do, you know, do this maybe for an episode. Like, you know, take pictures. Let's find the cemetery, right. 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 Well, I decided to look it up online. And the majority, so it's a pioneer cemetery. It's a really old, like, first settlers type of cemetery. Uh, there actually is people, though, descendants who were actually, like, they were buried there within the last several years. So it's mm, still in okay. use. Not very mm-hmm. much, but still in use. And so, right. but I was looking it up, and I thought to myself, you know, why, like, what were the causes of death? You know, so I'm looking it up. And there were several families where they got wiped out by um, pneumonia. And it was like it it started as influenza and then it went into pneumonia or it was just pneumonia or it was something else. And, and uh, it was like one of them had measles and pneumonia or something. Oh, man. Anyways, whole families. And wow. I'm just like, holy cow, you know, and of course there was a bunch of um, children burial plots and it was just overwhelming. Like for some reason, now I have been to old pioneer cemeteries. I mean, you and I have talked about the one that my sister and I went to, but for right. some reason, this one seemed different. This one seemed like everybody that was there was plagued by disease. Mm. And it Mm. just energetically felt like I needed to stay away from there. I mean, and it's not just, I mean, because when I was going to go there, my older kids were in school, so I had my youngest. And I'm just like, energetically, it feels really, really bad to take my four-year-old with right. this, right. you know, it's just, and disrespectful, and I'm just like, there's no way. And right. so then later I'm like, well, does it feel any different with the thought of going alone? And for some reason, I really, in my gut, just feel like something would follow me home. And it might not even be a spirit that would necessarily follow me. I honestly mm-hmm. think that you can end up getting the illness, sickness, disease, whatever, I feel like you can pick those up energetically, depending on how wrong that is. Right. And so I was just like, yeah, there's just because, and that would be another interesting thing to try to look up and find out, is there anybody or any weird cases out there where somebody went somewhere where people died of, you know, yellow fever, Mm -hmm. the plague, the... Whatever. Right, tuberculosis. And died from and, it himself. Yeah, right. Even though it was like a hundred years ago. Right. Hmm. So. Yeah, be careful of where you tread. You might not want to hurry back yeah. up there. Yeah, I can't say. No, Look, if you have that ever... intuition, yeah, if you have that intuition, mm-hmm. then pay attention to your intuition. Um, those are uh, very good words of wisdom from Linda Godfrey. Was 
you know, step in as far until you tell yourself, okay, that's enough, and listen to your intuition and then turn around and head the other way. Because, uh, you know, you could get yourself into some trouble that you don't understand. And if you don't understand it, then you're going to be quite the victim. So, yeah, yeah, pay attention to that intuition that you have. You probably stay away from there. But the rest of the police, you know, yeah, I would be willing to watch. Look, there's been so many souls that have walked through there with, you know, and I'm sure there's people there right now as we're doing this podcast, staying at the mm-hmm. at the Grand Lodge. And, you know, there'll be people that pass through there quite a bit. So whatever filtration of haunts or spirits that may be there are very used to that. And so yeah. that I think I would be intrigued to, to go see. And like you said, you were listening to footsteps, you know, and it's like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting, very interesting. And it's interesting because, you know, here I went there, and then I had that experience that I did on the phone with you. And a Mm -hmm. lot of people, you know, they bring up the fact, well, could it have been because you went to McMiniman? Because it's a known haunted location. And I honestly, I've never brought anything home from there. Like, when I ended up moving when I was 18, and I was kind of going from place to place, just staying with friends at the time. I would go there and just read a book. I would just, mm-hmm. that was my getaway, my safe place, my, you know. Right. And I always you felt were... at home there, and I've never brought right. anything home. But mm-hmm. I wonder, and I think, and I don't believe that this is a far out there idea, because in Ryan's book, he made mention about how sometimes the people that experience a UFO sighting feel a psychic connection between themselves and this thing that is how far away in the sky? Right. How far away? And yet they feel like there's this psychic connection. So maybe now that that we're talking about this and I'm thinking about it, and of course, you know, (laughs) playing with the what if, what if the thing that I experienced in my house came from passing by that cemetery and considering, like, I was going to go there the next day. Like, this mm-hmm. was a plan up until about five hours before I was going to go. Right. So, I so, mean, so what you're kind of saying is because you gave it a mental thought about doing it, it may have seen I, you as an opportunity. Because I'm you gave it a mental fault. I'm, yeah, I'm wondering about the possibility of if you drive past a location, let's say it's haunted. I mean, because we don't know. Mm-hmm. That's, we're, I don't know anything about the cemetery other than what I read. But let's play with the idea that it's haunted. So let's say it's haunted and you drive past it. You you mentally stamp that picture of that of the road and you go, okay, boom. I'm going to go there. I'm fascinated by it. And then you start doing research that takes you a while and you're reading into it and you're looking into the families and you're establishing that energetic connection to this place that you physically drove by. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all right, I'm going there. This is a thing. So then you also already mentally put yourself in that location. So does right. that create a bridge? It's... Uh... It's a good possibility. I mean, just from 
just because it's a formidable question makes it a possibility, right? Oh, right. Because it's mm-hmm. not that far and outlandish because you asked the question, therefore, and it's just a, a philosophy that I carry with me, that if you're asking the right. question, then there is a good possibility that may actually be something substantive enough that it could happen. And look, there's so much that we don't understand in this whole paranormal universe. Um, And until we do understand it, it'll remain a paranormal universe once we start to understand it scientifically or, you know, through however avenue we take to get to those answers, then it doesn't become paranormal. It becomes normal. So, yeah, I... Just because you asked that question, I think, yeah, that would be a really good possibility. It's kind of how I was initially trying to answer that question with you, just because you opened your mind up and recognized that cemetery and gave consideration to it to go visit. Was there that connection right then and there? Like you used the term bridge. Is that Mm -hmm. the bridge that just got created? So I think we're probably both thinking on the same vein there of the what ifs and Mm -hmm. maybe something did come back with you and I don't know if you want for the listeners just to give a brief description of what you are talking about the events that happened in your home or not or if you want to save that for later that's okay too but you know it was it was a couple of interesting events that took place that evening and you know, here I am on the phone with you, and I'm like, I, I, there's nothing I can do to help. Right. No. Um, yeah, I will, I guess, let the listeners know. It's funny because uh, over on End of the Fray, the insiders have that once a month, at the end of the month, yes. call-in episode. Yes. Yes. And so we had already talked about it over there, and so I, I forget that, oh, well, my listeners haven't heard about this yet. I know. Uh, <laughs> no, so so we were on the phone, and I was in my daughter's room. Meaning the two of us were on the phone as we are right now talking with each other, yes. Right. right. And so I'm sitting in there, and I'm kind of picking, I'm like folding clothes. Now, my youngest daughter and the cat are on my bed. They're both asleep. My older two are laying on the couch. Now, they're laying on their stomach with the laptop kind of like on the arm of the couch and they have a blanket over them and then the the coffee table is pushed up towards the couch so that way they can have like a water in their popcorn there and so I'm in their room and I'm folding clothes and I have the door shut and it it sticks because I have a metal rack over the door to hold their backpacks and everything well the door flies open and it just, it stunned me because with the force of the way that the door came open, it was like you had, it was like one of the kids were mad at me or they had gotten in a fight with each other. So they slammed the door open and I'm expecting, Mommy, she did mm-hmm. this, <laughs> you know? And I'm, and I, and it feels like somebody is standing there. But the thing is, when that door slams open, nobody is standing there. And, and I don't hear anybody run away, nothing. And so you and I are sitting on, on the phone, and I can't remember 
I think I just, I think I went silent for a little while and then just. I heard you gasp. You did gasp and you went, and then I said, whoa, what's the matter? And then you were silent there for a couple of minutes. So then I gave you your couple of moments of silence. Right, right. Yeah, and then I had told you that the the door flew open. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, hold on. And I got up and the older two were still laying there on the couch. And it would have been, like, the way that they were laying on the couch, I would have heard them get back on there. Um, I could, you know, you would be able to see that they weren't as comfortable as they were before I went in there. I, you know, checked them in my room. They're still sleeping in there. And so I'm just, like, weirded out, just genuinely weirded out. And trying to think to myself, you know what, I'm just going to ignore this because a month prior, my cupboard had flown open and then I had, um, I have a Native American uh, rattle that sits on my wall. Well, that flew off my wall. So when that happened, though, I chose to ignore it and nothing else happened. But when those things happened, I didn't feel this, like, just want to call it evil thing, mm-hmm. staring at me or presence, you know. It just it just felt horrible. And, and so I just felt like I couldn't ignore it, but I was, like, trying my best to. And then um, I walked out of the room because they had some dishes in their room, so I took them into the kitchen. And I took them into the kitchen, and then I threw some clothes into the laundry closet, I guess it's called. And I shut the the door, and as I walk past it, this door flies open and dang near hits me. And so, of course, you know, I yelp or whatever, and I run away. Mm-hmm. And I'm running back into um, back into the original, into their room, because I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, now it's out. I it, rationally, I was thinking it is outside of the bedroom because it was outside of the bedroom to push the door open and then to have the other door fly open. And then I don't want my kids to see me, so I'm just going to, you know, go back into their room. And I didn't want to go into my room because I didn't want to wake up my youngest. So I go back in there, and by this point, I'm just. I'm just shook up because I've seen physically two things happen by this point and it just feels, you know, evil. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so then you're talking to me and you're telling me, you know, you're reminding me about the stage and, and demanding it to leave and all this stuff. And and I'm just sitting there feeling like, you know, I know that I need to do this, but I part of me doesn't want to do it because I feel like I felt like it was strong and that if I did it, it would just challenge me or or it would ramp up the activity. But I went ahead and I had put you on hold and I got my stage and I went through the house. Well, when I had entered back into their room and it was before I lit the stage, I literally felt like something was behind me and I heard a growl. I mean, it and it was just the hair on the back of my neck totally just stood up. And I didn't say it out loud to you. I texted you. Mm-hmm. I heard a growl because I was mm-hmm. too afraid to say it out loud. And so so then I'm just, I, I walk out of their room because I'm like, it's behind me. I need to leave the room. And as I leave the room, 
out of the corner of my eye. It's kind of like in the corner of my eye and in your mind's eye type of a scenario. Right. Standing in the hallway is this cloaked figure that was taller than me, but not like super tall, like it didn't go up to the ceiling. I would say it had to be about like six foot five, six foot seven or something like that. So I no, that's pretty tall. tall. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm only five foot, so um, so it's, it's around there. And it's all black from the neck down with this like black robe looking thing. But the head is like a deer skull or horse, but I want to say deer. Right. It just... And I swear it's like it was laughing at me. Mm-hmm. And and so I just, but you know, I went through the house and I just tried to do what I could with the sage. And I've got this like other spray that I sprayed, you know, and I, I did my prayers. I did my demands. I did, you know, all this stuff. And for the rest of the night, it's fine. Everything seemed to be, everything seemed to be okay. But then the next morning... I go, and I'm cleaning up the floor. So I'm vacuuming in the living room, and I was going to um, goop up all the ash and clean up my fireplace because I had had, you know, the fire 10 days prior to this. Mm-hmm. I lit a fire in my fireplace. Well, there's embers, embers in my freaking fireplace. And I'm just, and immediately everything comes rushing back. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way. And it just mm-hmm. felt like it was connected to this. And then mm-hmm. literally not even 24 hours later, all of us are sick. Like, like flu, cold type sick. Right. And we're just now getting better. And there hasn't, there hasn't been any, anything happened. There's been no noise. No moving of things, no embers in the fireplace, nothing. Right. So I. Yeah, I that know. that whole experience just you know because I felt it, and here I am on the other end of the phone, and I felt it. I felt that you were upset, and I think yeah. I felt more of you being upset than you were scared, and I think maybe that's right. part of the reason why. You didn't have much more activity after that because right. I I really firmly believe that a lot of these things feed off the fear. As crazy as that sounds right. to so many people, um, well, it does seem even for centuries and centuries of time and storytelling and documenting mm-hmm. these type of entities that they all have that common thread of they feed off of fear. And that's why they do what they do is to get you scared enough that they can actually take that negative energy of fear and absorb it for themselves. And you were more upset by it, but trying to handle the situation because you have daughters in your home and Mm -hmm. you're trying to be rational as possible about this, but still you're upset because these things are happening and this isn't right and it needs to go. And then it kind of right. turned into a little bit of anger, but I think there was still more being upset than there yeah. was anger. It's just, I really want this to go away because I feel negative right now. And then for you to have that yeah. third eye image in your head of what it is that you saw. And, and, you know, I do understand, and I think a lot of our listeners will probably understand too, 
um, what you speak of out of the corner of your eye, but it's mostly two in your mind's eye. Your mind's eye, yeah. What, you know, that image could be kind of focused because of the fear factor that you're experiencing right. at the time. But to have it detailed mm-hmm. as a cloaked figure with a deer skull type of head and that it's laughing mm-hmm. at you, you're manifesting it, something that is very specific. And, you know, to well, the crazy go back. Thing is, mm-hmm. Right after, right afterwards, the only way that I could describe it to you was all I could say in the moment because. I didn't I didn't want to say what I saw. I didn't want to describe it and right. everything. So all I could all I could get out was Sam's drawings. Sam's drawings. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and that's Sam Sheeran, by the way, too, I was mm-hmm. And so yeah. it was and and I haven't even like part of me has wanted to look through his stuff just to see if I can like if there's something that's close to what I saw, but then I've been too afraid. Yeah, well, I can't say about it. I haven't done it. You might not (laughs) want to rebuild that bridge again either. Yes, exactly, exactly. I I can't say Um, I blame you. Yeah, well, and then, you know, the other thing, too, uh, when I was talking to MJ during that um, interview, he also brought up the, the fact that what you were just saying about the fear. And mm-hmm. I was telling him about a TV show that we had watched around Halloween. Still one of my favorites. I thought it was really well done. I cannot remember for the life of me the name of it, but right. the whole the repeated sentence in the movie was just don't think about it because it was about this book. And it was I loved the way that it read because it was something like, it comes from underneath your bed and mm-hmm. you hear right. the sound and you feel the cold and, you know, just all these different beautifully descriptive. So you're feeling it. And as it's describing it to you, it, this image is coming into your head. And then as it gets to the peak where it's super scary, it's like, but don't worry. It's not real. And let mm-hmm. me think about it. Right. Just don't think about it. And it's just, right. and so the older sister read this to her little brother because, of course, what does she like to do? She likes to scare him. Mm-hmm. And so she, when she closes the book, it's kind of this like smirky, like, ha ha, just don't think about it. And then she goes off and she goes to bed. And he's sitting there, and he's holding his blanket, you know, and he's looking around his room. <laughs> and you, you know he's thinking about it. Like, how can you right. not? Oh, right. my God. And, and right. it builds. And so this thing just ends up, you know, um, I think I can't yeah. remember if there was, like, this flash under his bed or, like, you see eyes all of a sudden come out of the darkness, mm-hmm. like, formed within the darkness. And right. then, and then it just becomes more. I think it became real, and then it, it might have gotten bigger. It might have actually grown in size the more he thought about it. Right. So, yeah, it's all part of yeah. the uh, in, in the vein of tulpa, right? Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah if, if there's enough energy thought about something, it could manifest into something. And yeah, that's terrifying. Right. But thank you again yeah. for sharing that story. Um, because yeah. <laughs> is there that possibility that that negative whatever came from that mm-hmm. cemetery just because you had that thought process? And now what do you do when you get the cemetery? It's like, I want no part of you, cemetery. No, thank you. You stay there and I'll go this way. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't going to share it because when I posted it to the group, I was just like, look, everybody, this is a personal experience. I'm not trying to do anything for the show. I I don't care about that. I just want help because this is like... You know, because right. I haven't had anything happen like this since I've had, like, literally since I've become a mom, I was able to really kind of shut the door. I mean, I right. still had stuff happen, but not like I did before I was a mom. And mm-hmm. honestly, I just keep having this feeling, too, that it's going, like, as they get older and when they move out of the house, I feel like everything's going to ramp back up again. And it's just upsetting. Um, So, yeah. So, anyways, I just didn't feel, I just didn't think that I was going to share it, especially because I didn't want to reopen that door. But, but, so I wasn't originally going to share it, but then I thought, well, okay, it's, it's been, it's been long enough. So I think that it's safe and fine. And then I, you know, I did talk about it a little bit with, you know, everybody over at ITF and, and that's the other thing too is you go through this weird stage of oh my gosh this is, this just happened to me I don't want to share it because I'm too afraid and then you kind of share it and then you're like well it's just too crazy people aren't going to believe me or they're going to think that I'm lying and then and you talk about it a little bit more and then all of a sudden by the third time that you've talked about it it's like okay this is actually kind of therapeutic and it's oh, helping sure you get it over it. Oh sure. Yeah. But how so, supportive how supportive were the insiders when you did share that story? Oh my I mean, god. I know. Yeah, you you I, had a lot of feedback of what it may be and how to deal with mm-hmm. it. And no, you're not crazy yes. and and then they shared their equal experience, mm-hmm. not in a long drawn out story to make it about themselves. Right. But to say you're not in this alone, Jennifer. We're all in this together, no, and you dude. and you can defeat this thing. And it was very therapeutic. Very I felt better, and it didn't even happen to me, and I felt better afterwards. See, so. you know, and I mean, so yes, I, I'll i just say this. I love the caravan. I love our lore folks. I love our group. It's absolutely fantastic, and I would love to, to build our group and everything, but the group stems from those over there at ITF mm-hmm. and I cannot I cannot put into the fray on a, a high enough pedestal and every single person whether they're just people that listen in general or whether they are actually insiders mm-hmm. these people have really become family to me and especially the insiders and like I have to sit here and like tell everybody that's listening to become an insider. If this is what you're into, and if you're looking for a support group, if you're looking for people that really, really understand and get it, mm-hmm. that is where it is. 
seriously, right there, is. that is where it is. And, you know, another thing about insiders, as well as the caravan, because we kind of put that wall up with the caravan to make sure that the same effect happens with the caravan as does with ITF, and it's because Shannon LeGros put up the same wall, too. And so with the group of people that comes in, there is no political infighting with everybody. Everybody is all on the same page supporting each other in the most unique oh, way. Yeah. And the same thing happens with the caravan, too. Nobody is judging anybody and saying, wow, that person's a real whack job and you know, we need to get Hi. them out. And, and then, oh, I, that's silly of what you said. Nothing like that could have ever happened. That's ridiculous. No, none of that happens with you know, the insiders over at Into the Fray or at the caravan here. And there are a few other podcasts that are, you know, putting up that same wall to make sure those boundaries are met and those regulations of there is no infighting in the community. And, wow, it's, it is make it a family. It's fascinating to me because, you know, I've been a part of other Facebook groups and there are other podcasts that I've kind of checked out and I've kind of looked at, you know, some of the Trigger. the different... <laughs> no, this is before. This is I before know. End of I'm the Fray ever started. So we're right. talking like, right. you know, a year or two ago. So, right. but the the animosity between people, the anger, the judgment was absolutely incredible. I mean, I mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe it. And you know, I would pose a question or a thought, and it was so vehemently attacked. And mm-hmm. when Into the Fray came out and the group was forming and everything, even as everybody was first coming together, there was just nothing. Right. There, there was, and there's never been. I've never seen an argument. I've never seen, like, anything that's, you know what I mean? And and so, and even when Shannon had her first, was it her first call-in show? When um, everybody just called in and there was like no limit. Do you remember that? Yes. There's like 20 people on the line. Mm-hmm. The fact that everybody, like we, like we all realized that. Everybody right. took their turn. Everyone was respectful. Nobody talked over anybody. It was fascinating to me. I'm just like, wow, there there has to be something like with Shannon herself. <laughs> oh, my God. And on that note, wow. Oh, my That's God. That's the daylight out of me, man. I just Anna ate a yelling, little. Yelling. Oh, oh, man. That was funny. That that's in the outtake file, please. I might have to leave that in. Oh, that was funny. No, I yeah. think, <laughs> I think that Shannon puts out the, an energy, and into the fray puts out an energy that's so mm-hmm. calm and just so accepting that it, it's a it's a magnet. What she sends right. out, she's bringing back. And, right, and um, I I agree with yeah. that too. And there has, I think I can only account for two times where there was kind of a negative statement made. And instead of getting Uh angry at it, we all just kind of circled the wagons around and said, okay, now that is the funniest thing I ever heard. And we all supported (laughs) each other against one person that said something silly. 
And yes. of course, we haven't heard from and that we person. Wore it like a badge. <laughs> right. We did. Exactly. Ass peeps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. We yes. That that is our badge of honor. So <laughs> it is. We, we we wear the ass peeps. Yes, we are. So yeah, I love it. but it's the same thing with the caravan too. What you put out, you will get in return. So thank you, listeners, for being as fantastic as you are, and you know, being yes, that you are who you are. You know, tell your friends because I, we're all certain that your friends are probably just as good of people as the listeners are. So bring your friends in too. Yes, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean that would be awesome to grow our group and to get to know more people. And the caravan group is seriously there. The caravan group is there for you. And and the interaction and the support and the fun. Right. No, I agree. Well, yeah, thanks thanks to all the listeners that have listened thus far to and thank you for yeah, sharing for all sure. this about McMinimins. You know, that's such a fascinating oh, yeah. place and and I would mm-hmm. love to go there sometime. I'm probably going to end up writing that on a bucket list of things to do. Oh, man. Well, I tell you what, you know, there is a McMinimins, well, they have a UFO festival, and they do have speakers that come, and so I have suggested to Ryan that he should definitely come up here. Yes. Uh (laughs) Yes, Ryan Sprague. Uh, come up here and do that. And, I mean, it'd be awesome to get a bunch of people out here. And we could all stay at the McMinimins. We could do the UFO Fest. And also, McMinimins has also been posting on their Facebook page, uh, they have a paranormal pub. So it's like every, I don't know if it's once a month on Sundays or if it's every other week. I think it's once a month, though. You can go to this paranormal pub, and the topics are different. It's literally like an in-person podcast thing. Mm, okay. It's really cool. And so I definitely very, I want to check that out. Mm, well, we'll look forward to that very yeah. much so. Thanks, well, everybody. I can't thank you enough for coming back on and reunioning with me. <laughs> reunioning. I'm always here, people. People, yes. I'm always here. You know that I partake in the caravan of lore and the library of lore also on the facebook (laughs) interactive group page yes because this was uh this was the brainchild and i love to see the direction (laughs) in which it's going so thank you jennifer for taking it in such a cool direction that it Mm. fills the cockles of my heart to know that the caravan (laughs) is in such good hands while i'm away doing my silliness and the news the news over at the existence of strange things so thank you yes we'll have to make sure and put all the the links on our show page and everything to where where they can adventure with you so hey fantastic and likewise of course we do that every week anyway but yes very good you do and i can't thank you enough all right we're out Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.